All right, Ryan Murphy, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. All, all things considered, I, I am good. How are you doing? Good, buddy. Yeah, doing well. Just a little um, confined in the house, so I'm, I'm looking for things to do. Well, I got to tell you, the room you're in looks pretty nice. I could, I could probably bend <laughs> out in that room for, for days. <laughs> yeah, I've tried to make it so that, yeah, you, you do feel pretty comfortable in here, but um, you just end up eating too much, man. I'm eating a lot of chocolate right now. I got to get off that. Really? Dude, I, I, I actually think I'm the exact opposite. Really? Like, like I think my, my stress levels have been like, um, honestly, through the roof. And yeah. I, my appetite's been like pretty, pretty minimal. Really? Everyone, everyone's different with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. No, I'm the opposite. I'm just sitting around eating. I don't know why. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I don't want to talk about the coronavirus too much, man. I, I think it's been talked about to death, really. But um, I really just wanted to touch on, you know, you guys were at a training camp in Colorado with, talk, talk to us about who you were there with, why you were there, and, and then how you got the news on, on your departure kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So we, we kind of go up in this March time frame every year, uh, at least the postgrads at Cal do. So, so I was there specifically with the Cal group. Um, and, and the reason we do that is like the, the college guys are, are getting ready for NCAAs. And like, that's, that's a group of really solid group of like 18 guys. Mm. And so like, you know, we don't want to like feed into that taper energy. Like mm. we're, we're still trying to like grind and, and really get down to business in, in March. So, so we go, we, we separate ourselves from the group, go up to Colorado, get in some good work. And then Colorado is great just because like everything is, is taken care of for you. Like you've got, you've got your meals, you've got your recovery center. Um, it's all within like a hundred steps of each other. Yeah. So, so we were up there just kind of like par for the course that, that we usually do. And, you know, it, the, the situation continued to progress uh, every day. And, you know, we honestly thought we were going to get stuck up there. We, we yeah. thought that we thought that travel was going to be shut down and we were going to be stuck there, um, which which wouldn't have been ideal. Uh, but instead, the the governor shut down the the Olympic Training Center, and I mean, I got a call from from Durden on Tuesday night at like eight p.m. Some yeah. of the guys were out of there within like. 20 minutes like Nick Norman, <laughs> Celiscar and and Tom all got out of there like immediately. I waited till the next morning to fly and then yeah, back to California after that. Wow. So it was just the the conversation was like it's done, we've got to go home. Yeah, sorry. I accidentally just pressed mute there. No, so no, I, I could hear you. Again. <laughs> oh, so yeah. No, so the conversation with Durden was, "Hey man, we've got to get out of here." Yeah, yeah, he he was just like look, uh, the governor shut, shut down the training center. Like it, it's still going to be open for the people that live here. Like they, they could stay here and like live, but none of the training facilities are going to be open. Um, and so, so we had to, you know, make the quick pivot and, and be flexible. And that's kind of just been like the theme of, I mean, really, I guess that was only, that was only five days ago. It feels yeah. like it was like, it feels like it was like a month, but that was only five days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then since then, what have you been doing to stay fit? It's really day to day. I mean, some days we're able to, to find a pool. Some days it's like, you know, you work out and I worked out in my garage on, on Saturday uh, and, and just kind of like did what I could. I was doing like pull-ups on trees. Um, and, and luckily I've got some active roommates. So like that we, we have some, 
decent supplies here. So like we had like our, our 30 pound dumbbells. So we're, we're doing what we could with that. Um, we have some of like the battle ropes things. So, so we were doing a little bit of that. And then uh, Josh and I thought it'd be fun to just try to like push a car. So, so, so we were, I did we see that on Instagram, there. pushing cars around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was more of like a fun thing. That was kind of like the, the workout finisher. Mm. Um, but it, I mean, I, I was sore. I mean, like working the muscles in a little bit of a different way. Like, it's nice to it's nice to get creative, nice to experiment a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, the news just dropped in the last couple of hours, and I don't know how official it is, but obviously the word is getting out and they're writing articles about it. But it seems like they, they have decided to postpone the Olympics. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's tough. Like, you, you totally – I mean, everyone understands why they, they come to that decision. And, like, it's – but that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, you know, like it's, there's, there, there's lives that like, it, it's hard to put off plans for, for another year. And so, so that's a lot of the things that, that I think about, like the people that applied to med school that, that applied to grad school. And now it's like, okay, now we have to defer. Um, so, so that part's, that's, that part's really hard. And I mean, there's still, there's still so much unknown. Um, and that's the thing that I think kills everyone, you know, like, mm. Um, you know, like they, it's not like they could just say with, with absolute certainty that the Olympics are going to happen next year. Like yeah. there is no, there is no certainty. And mm. I think one of the things that, that I've tried to do in this time is just realize I, I'm not an expert on this. And, and, and so I, I tried to talk to, to people that are, and luckily my, my next door neighbor has his PhD in, in public health and, oh, wow. uh, and he's kind of heading up Berkeley's research on this. Mm. And so like literally last night I was just sitting in the driveway with him. Like we had our, our six feet apart and, and he was just kind of like taking me through what, what he thinks. Um, and in his specific model, he thinks that, yeah, and this is a little bit bleak, but he thinks that we're probably going to continue to, to, to raise in cases and peak in June or July. Um, and then hopefully we could ease off some of these restrictions his biggest fear is that it comes back in the fall and then we're having this exact same conversation come January, 2021. Um, and so he just said like the, the experts need more time. They, they need more data so that their, their simulations can, can be a little bit more accurate and, and get to a point where they could say with decent certainty, like this is when we can, can really return to, to normal life. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I don't have answers either. I'm, I'm listening to the same types of people, but uh, man, there's a lot of information out there, but there's just a lot of uncertainty, right? So there's loads of it, you know, in every Olympic cycle, you have a point where you want to peak, you know, and we're coming up to the Olympic trials, obviously that was set for July or the June, actually um, not that far away. And then obviously the Olympics and, and you're defending Olympic champion in the 100, 200 backstrokes. Um, did you feel like you were coming into your peak right now? I, yeah, yeah, totally. Like the, the practices that, that I've been able to put together. I mean, even, shoot, I mean, he, even as, as late as last Tuesday. I mean, that's when we were still in kind of like a normal flow at that point. So, I, I mean, they were, they were the best practices of my career. And, like, even that, even that Des Moines Pro Swim Series, like, we honestly approached it 
very similar to the way that we've approached pro swim series in the past. And I mean, the way I was executing my races and, and then the, the results of those races, I mean, that was, that was super encouraging to me that, that we were you know, definitely on the right path and, and definitely trending towards uh, going best times. Wow. So, I mean, for you, best times means world records. So that's pretty damn good, man. You know, that's um, not the way I like to think of it. It's, it's best times. You know, that's, <laughs> when, you, when, you start, when you start thinking about it as a, uh, as a world record, that, that sounds, yeah. that doesn't sound attainable. But when you yeah. say best times, I mean, I've been, that's, that's what I've been doing since I was four years old, you know, just trying to go best times. And, and you know, why, why does it change when you reach a certain point? So uh, that's always the, or that, that's the way that I try to view it. Yeah. You know, let me ask you this, cause I swam at a couple of Olympics, never won a medal or Olympic gold medal, but I've always felt that Olympic gold medals are reserved for the best of the best. You don't just happen to win Olympic gold. It's not a fluke. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not magic. It doesn't happen by chance. I, I feel like it's, ve- it's the very elite of the elite. Um, you're an Olympic gold medalist, and, and so there's obviously something that separates you from other people, and you've met other Olympic gold medalists. What do you think it is that separates someone like you from, from other people? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's uh, – this is something that, that I'm super interested in, and, and not necessarily yeah. just like Olympic gold medalists, but it's mm. like top CEOs. Mm. Um, you know, anyone, anyone that, that reaches the top level in their field I think has, has a lot of – there's a lot of similarities between those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like one of the things that, that I've tried to do is not necessarily talk to guys like, like, like I'm buddies with a guy like Kyle Chalmers, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. we don't really talk about mentality or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just two guys talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what I like to do is I, I love watching documentaries, love reading books, nonfiction books about, about people. And I mean, it's really just a, just a relentless pursuit of excellence. Like it's a, it's a 24 hour thing. Like I have a really hard time turning it off. And I mean, that's, that's honestly one of the the biggest challenges of an Olympic year. It's, it's almost easy to continue to continue to continue to press. Um, And so learning how to, how to pull back and and say like, all right, like, you know, you're maybe taking the intensity a little too far. Um, I, I think that's, you know, there, there's definitely a fine line um, of, of how hard you can work and, and how much mental energy you can, you can put towards something. Um, so there's got to be a balance there. But I mean, I think you, you have to be very aware of, of every aspect of your life. Like I'm very aware of the plan that, that Durden sets in place. And like I give him feedback on how I'm feeling, things I think we could do better. And, and he's super receptive of that my, you know, the people that I do body work with, so the massage, the physical therapy, they're experts in their field. And so like, they're, they're telling me what, what they think, and I'm giving them feedback on what I'm feeling in terms of nutrition. Like, I, shoot, I, I mean, I think I, I know about as much as nutrition as I did, as I know about my college major, <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's how much research I've put into it. And then the mental side, like, it's just, it's a grind and, and you've got to, you've got to realize how hard can I push myself for, for what period of time and, and just being like pretty, pretty self-aware on that. Yeah. 
Interesting, man. I find it super interesting too. I love, I love digging into this a little bit, you know, um, I, w- I, know, I, I mean, have, we, we, we talk about it. I mean, we're yeah. both like, we're both Conor McGregor fans. I'm yeah. sure you've mm. sure you've watched his documentary and mm. you know, you, you, you've thought like, all right, like I'm pretty similar to this guy and in, in this aspect, um, he maybe does this a little bit differently than I do, but, but it, it, it it's pretty consistent across the board. Like how, how really successful people think. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, here's the thing. I'm glad you brought up Conor McGregor because this is what I've really noticed about him and people like you and other champions. When the pressure is the greatest, you guys have an ability to um, kind of relax in the moment a little bit. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you my thought, all right? So I'm in the Olympic final in 2004 in the 50 freestyle, and I'm in lane five. And I go out into the crowd. It's a beautiful afternoon in Athens. The sun is just coming down. It's about, um, in, in U.S. terms, it's about 85 degrees, right? It's just a gorgeous night. And I'm looking down the pool and I take my clothes off. I got my suit on and my, my goggles. And I look down the pool and, and I just for a split second, I had the thought, you know, in, 30, in less than 30 seconds, I could be Olympic champion. You know, yeah. and that just that little thought, as much as you might not think that had a, a big effect, it just tightened me up a little bit, you know, and what yeah. I find when I watch Conor McGregor, when he's in, in the most intense pressure moments and someone like you, you just have this ability to relax and go into automatic. Did you mm-hmm. ever have those thoughts? Like, you know, right before your first Olympic gold medal, was there a thought in your head that I could be Olympic champion in a minute? Or are you thinking something different? Um, I mean, it, those thoughts, like those thoughts creeped up like throughout the day. Yeah. And then I think like one of the things that, that I feel is uh, I'm honestly more nervous two months out of a race than I am 20 seconds before a race. Okay. Two months out, there's still so many things you can control. You know, like you can control like, all right, like I think we could do this a little bit better in training. I think I could do this a little bit better in recovery, this a little bit better in nutrition. And so like my wheels are, are turning, like constantly evaluating like how I could continue to push the envelope. Once I get, you know, 20 seconds before a race, like, what, what can you do? Mm-hmm. You know, like your, your body, your condition, that's, that's not going to change. And so the only thing you could focus on is, is executing and taking what you got and, and maximizing it in that moment. And so that's kind of the way I think about it. And I think one of the things that, that helps me is, is I've always got a pretty in-depth race plan, you know? So it's like, I know in, in the hundred back, like, you know, there's a, there's a certain stroke number where I'm like, okay, like we're going to, we're going to pick it up a little bit here coming off the turn. I know, you know, how much, how much effort I'm, I'm putting into each kick underwater the thing I want to focus on when I hit the breakout. And so like, if, if you're, if you're consciously thinking about, about each stroke, like it's, it almost distracts you from thinking about the result. And, and I think, I think that's, that's something that, um, you know, it's, it's always a work in progress, but, but I think when I've had my best performances, it's when I'm really just, just locked into to the race plan and, and nothing's going to distract me from that. Wow. That's awesome, man. Do you feel looking back at 2016 when you won the gold medals, do, do you feel like in your memory, like I think we have a bank in our memory of like swims that were just amazing. Like, is that up there with you for you? Or do you feel like you could have been better in that moment? 
I think the uh, well, the hundred back I, th- I thought was pretty good. Um, like you know, in in the in the actual Olympic final, mm. I took it out really slow. I mean, like I I'm someone who like when I when I know that I'm gonna be really excited for a race and I know the crowd's gonna be super into it, like I I consciously try to go out slower. Um, and in, in that race, like I think because we had the experience of trials four weeks before. I was so much more amped up for the Olympic trial final than I was for, for the Olympic final. And, and because of that, I went out slower mm. in the, in the Olympic final. Um, so I, so I thought I could improve on that. And I thought I did, um, when we did the, the medley relay, the 200 back, like I, the 200 back's tough. I, I mean, I think there's, there's a rhythm that, that I could hit in practice, you know, and, and when I'm in a really good spot, I, I could hit that rhythm in practice you know, probably three or four times a week. Um, I've never, I've never hit that rhythm in a race. And so the, the Olympic final was, was another one where it's like, I got out. I mean, just obviously ecstatic with, with, with the result, but yeah. you know, like you're, we're all competitors. We, we all recognize when we could be a little bit better. And I mean, that's, I, I've never gone out of a 200 back and said like, yeah, like that's, that's my potential. I, I, I always can find a couple of things that, that I could do a little bit better. And it's, yeah, it's frustrating that I've never been able to hit that, you know, what I feel like is my, my best technique, my best rhythm in a race. But I mean, that's, that's part of the appeal of the sport. It's, it's hard to be perfect. Yeah. Is, do you warm up differently for both those races? I like the general framework is pretty similar. Uh, so like, I always kind of go through and, you know, I'm someone who does a lot of drills. Like I, I love doing that to, to set up my stroke. And so, I mean, that's kind of in the beginning of warm up, and then you gradually build up the heart rate and start hitting some, some pace work and then some like over speed work and a little bit of resistance. And that's, that's kind of my, my warm up plan. So, I mean, the only part that's really different is the, uh, you know, how much resistance I do and, and, you know, like how, what the over speed work looks like. Like when I'm warming up for a 200 back, the overspeed work is 100 back rhythm. When when I'm doing a 100 back, that overspeed work is you know something like spin drill or, or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I I uh, started off as a backstroker when I was 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 13 to 17, I was a backstroker. Um, so my question to you is: Do you ever get sick of going backwards? Uh, I mean, it's. I'm just so like, whenever I train now, it's just like, I'm pretty locked into to everything I'm doing and what I'm feeling. And so like, I mean, I, like I could tell when I'm swimming, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely more of a backstroker than I am a butterflyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, mm-hmm. something, that's something you could feel. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like when, when I'm feeling good on backstroke, like I could hit pace, pace minus one. And you know, it's not, it's not hurting. <laughs> uh, we're like freestyle it no matter what, if I'm going pace minus one, like that's, that's going to hurt pretty bad every single time. Um, (laughs) so like, I think as humans, we, we like what we're good at. And so Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to get sick of backstroke because like I, I can feel it. Like I can feel it. And I, I know when, when I feel it, that, that comparative to the rest of my strokes, like I'm, I'm, I'm good at backstroke. Yeah. That's a good answer, man. I like that. Do you, what do you think makes a good backstroker? What, how, what do you have to have to be good at backstroke? I mean, I think, 
if you if you look at most of the backstrokers and 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 really American backstrokers, everyone's pretty big. I, I mean, like you could go back. I mean, you've got in Lenny Grazelberg in the, in the early two thousands, and then Pearsall wasn't quite as big, and but but you still had Lenny, and then two thousand eight, your your Pearsall, Lochte, Grievers. I mean, Lochte and Grievers are are pretty pretty muscular, like pretty large statured people. Yeah. 2012, you move forward, and that's Grievers. Thoman Thoman was pretty jacked. Mm. Tyra Clary, like he he was a, a bigger guy. Mm. 2016, um, you got me and David Plummer. David Plummer was like like a linebacker, um, <laughs> and, and then Pebbly, like Pebbly's Pebbly's a little bit a little bit longer, but like for his frame, he he's got he's got a ton of muscle. Um, and so like I, I think a lot of those guys and and girls, like on the girls' side, they're they're very muscular, very strong. Um, so, so I think that's, that's a huge piece of it. Um, and, and then like, you've got to be, you, you've got to be really strong in the core. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of the stroke comes from the core and, uh, and that's something that's like, that's something that's easy to develop. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are, those are probably the, the biggest things. Yeah. So let's, let's go back a little bit. You've had a couple of uh, you know, incredible coaches, a couple of the best coaches in the world growing up, you know? Um, so let's, let's just go back to bowls when you were with Sergio. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things you learned uh, as a high school swimmer swimming with Sergio? Yeah, I think, I think what, what Sergio was so good at is, is he knew, he knew what time period of our career it was, you know? And like he, he, he never lost sight of that. You know, it's like, one of the things he told me is, you know, it was, it was pretty tempting for him to, to try to get me to go 44 in the hundred back in high school, yeah. you know, and like lift all these weights, like, you know, and do all this resistance, just be really, really strong. But that wouldn't have necessarily been the best thing for me long-term. And so it was nice that, that Sergio was very, was very selfless in that, you know, because I mean, shoot, if you had, if you had me going 44 and, and Hunter back, Joseph going 44 and Hunter fly, Caleb probably going 44 and Hunter fly and like 41 as a high scorer in the 100 free, Santo going 42 in the 100 free. Like, I mean, Sergio, I mean, his, his progression as a coach probably would have sped up a little bit. Um, and he probably would have gotten these, these top jobs like sooner. Um, and so I, I really appreciated that he never lost sight of that. Um, and I think the biggest work that he did with all of us was on the mental side. I mean, Sergio is like the biggest hashtag believe guy that, that I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so he, I mean, he, he just beat that to death with us. Like he, he was like, Ryan, like, like you could be the best. And like, he's always like whispering in your ear, like you could hardly hear him. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I loved, like, I, I loved that part of it. Like he, I had him at the perfect part of my career. Like as a, as a kid, as a teenager, you're not naturally going to have that confidence. And so he, he really did a ton to, to pump all of us up. And then, and then also managing, I mean, he had to manage so many talented swimmers. Now, like you, you get, I mean, and, and like, it's not just, it's not just me, Joseph, Caleb and Santo, like you extend it out. Like you got, a lot of guys that were swimming at the top programs in the country 
Um, and, and he was able to take that and form practices that helped all of us get better. And so like, yeah, he, he's a, he's an incredible coach, uh, an incredible human. And you're, you're reminding me, I got, I got to like give him a call or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, absolutely. He, Check man. in with him. <laughs> so now you go on to, um, Dave Durden, who has uh, built up a reputation as, as the, the, the forerunner of the, the, the best coach in the U S right now, you know, he's, he's the man, he's the, he's the head coach of the Olympic team, you know, that was supposed to head off to Tokyo. So what makes, what makes Dave so, so great? And how did you connect with him? Yeah. I, I mean, Dave, Dave and Sergio are, are very similar in a lot of ways, but they're, they're very different in in a ton of ways. I mean, I, mean, I think they're the way they, they motivate is similar. Um, you know, like, like Dave's, Dave's not going to tell you you're the best very often, but he knows when he has to tell you that, um, where Sergio will tell you it every day. <laughs> and so, uh, I think that's a difference. And then, I mean, Dave is just so, so organized and he, he's always 10 steps ahead of you, no matter how, how smart you think you are, he's already planned for, for everything, you know? So it's, that part is, is just insane. Um, and then he just has a really, really good ability to, to know, like, I, I've never, I've never had a coach that's so good at, at walking the line between pushing you to your limit and overtraining you. Mm-hmm. Like he knows exactly when, okay, we've, we've maybe pushed it too far. Let's take a day to, you know, take our foot off the pedal and, and get these guys back. Um, and so like, he is really, really perceptive to that. Um, and he's, I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable. Like he, his ability, his ability to mentor assistants too is, is insane. You know, like Greg Meehan was Dave's assistant at Cal and Greg Meehan is also an yeah. Olympic head coach. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you move on to Yuri. Yuri's one of the best coaches in the country. Yeah. Like he's, he is unbelievable. Mm. And, and now you take, you take Chase Kreitler, Chase, Chase's improvement curve since he's been here has been insane. You know, like in Chase's, you know, now probably one of the best coaches in the country. And yeah. so like Dave is, he's, he's an unbelievable coach. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, for some reason, people love swim sets and hearing about swim sets. I find them kind of boring, but you know, give us yeah. a, uh, give us a swim set that is kind of memorable or something that maybe Dave does on a regular basis or just something that you feel like yeah. has really challenged you recently. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Dave doesn't like to repeat sets at all. Mm. So like he's, he's really, uh, we, we don't do like quote unquote test sets where we're trying to improve throughout the season. Um, so I would say trying to think of a good one. We just did at altitude. Um, so I guess, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll give you like last Tuesday set. Yeah. So last Tuesday we came in and, uh, and our set was, so it's three one hundreds on 130. This is all long course. So three one hundreds on 130 to send down to, to 200 pace plus four. So for me, um, that's, that's, a my 200 back times at 153. So my 200 pace is 56. So plus four is, is double up. Mm. So that's on 130 into three fifties on 45 be pace plus one to two into three fifties on, I think it was 50 or 55, mm-hmm. uh, be better than that into six twenty fives where it's, 
the first three were fast swim. The last three were fast kick. Um, so we, we did that twice. So, it, so that it, by the time you, you do that, that's like a hundred plus another 300 plus another 150. So that's 550 of like pretty, pretty solid work in a row. Um, so the first round I was freestyle and I was, uh, 58 on the hundred. And then I was, uh, 28 lows on those first three fifties, 27 lows on, on those last three fifties. Um, and then I don't know what I was on those 25s. Mm. The second round was backstroke. I was, uh, 58 on the hundred. And then I was 28 highs on those first three fifties, 27 highs on, on those next three fifties. Um, and then, you know, I was trying to go fast at the end. So (laughs) our sets are kind of confusing like Mm -hmm. that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a good set though. That's a damn good set. What kind of physical response do you have, uh, at the end of a workout and then, and when you know you've had a great one, like, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think when we, when we have really good ones, it's like, it's like, uh, you're not even hungry. You know, like you, you've worked so hard that you're like, kind of like walking this line of, of nausea, uh, <laughs> at the end of it. This yeah. is one of my, you remember Kyle Cohen? Yeah. Kyle, what's up, buddy? Yeah. Hey, Kyle, Kyle's Hi. one of my roommates now. Good to see you. Oh, very cool. Good to see you, man. Yeah. So everyone's, everyone's around right well, now. They're all, they're all in, uh, they're all in isolation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot what we were just talking about. Oh, so just the, the physical response, you know, the body. Okay. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. So, I mean, shoot, like after that, after practices like that, like your legs are just, especially backstroke, like my legs are just smoked for, for like the rest of the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, pretty typical. Yeah. Now uh, you got a chance to swim in the ISL and you, and you got to swim for Lenny Kraselberg, who was yeah. the, um, the GM of um, the LA current team. You were the, you were the first guy to come on board with that team and, and swim for someone that you've always said that you look up to. What do you, yeah. what, you know, what do you, what's the association with, with Lenny there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, so I really just started off. Like I, like I definitely consider myself a swim nerd. And so like as a swim nerd, like Lenny and as a backstroker, Lenny's like when Lenny's one of the guys, you know, like he was, uh, won both hundred and 200. I think he held the world record in both. Um, and so like, he's, he's someone that, that I respected as a swimmer. And when I, when I started to talk to him a lot more, I mean, he, he is just an incredibly impressive person. Mm. Um, like his, his swim schools have done great. And uh, the amount of care and, and thought he's put in ISL also has, has just been really impressive. So I think what I, what I tell, what I tell people is, uh, I don't feel like I find many people that, that can outwork me. And uh, Lenny's one of those guys that, that can, I mean, he, he does not turn it off. Mm. Um, So it's, it's super impressive working with him and he's so smart and so efficient with, with the way he can communicate. So, I mean, those are all, those are all like, I I look up to him a ton. Um, And and I'm really, really stoked that the ISL brought, you know, was able to help me cultivate a relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I guess all that kind of is up in the air now, not, not in terms of whether it'll happen or not, but just when it'll happen and how it'll happen. Is that something that you intend to do again? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm, 
I'm going to do it with Lenny. You know, like I, Lenny is, uh, you know, I think, I think the first year didn't necessarily go the way that, that, that we wanted, but like, I think long term, if you have the best general manager, you're going to have the best team. You know, like I, I view it kind of similar as the, the NFL and the NBA. And uh, I think Lenny's the best general manager. And so like, like that's, that's the guy you want to, you want to hit your wagon to. So yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, he's incredible. And I think he's done a ton to, to really push ISL forward too. Yeah, absolutely. Lenny's the man. I love, I love Lenny to death. I didn't know him as well. I mean, we swam around the same time. We swam at the same yeah. Olympics in 2000 and stuff, but, um, but uh, get, getting to know Lenny, man, whew, what an impressive man. I love that man to death. He is. He is. Who's your guy? Who was who your guy that you looked up to growing up? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, who, who did I grow? I mean, you know, the, the thing for us was Alex Popov came to live in Australia at the age of, I, th- I think he was 22 or 23, you know, yeah. and he, he just won the Olympics in 1992 in Barcelona. And um, he came to live in Australia and train in Australia. So like I was, I was a 17 year old kid. He's a 22 year old Olympic champion. Um, I mean, I just, I idolized pop off, you know, like just, yeah. um, you know, I tried to, I just tried to soak in as much as I could. And so he was a guy that I spent a lot of time with and, and, um, and I learned how to swim freestyle from him. You know, I yeah. learned how to, I learned how to swim with technique and practice. Like we just didn't swim with technique and practice until pop off yeah. came along. Pop off did everything perfectly. So he, he's a guy that I, that I looked up to and I idolized. I got to race him at the same time. But in terms of people that I guess brought me into the sport, you know, I look at maybe like a uh, like a Rowdy Gaines. You know, I, I remember watching Rowdy swim at the at the Olympics, you know, in Los Angeles, and so that, that's a guy that pulled me into the sport, and I fell in love with the sport through people like him. Um, but but Popoff was was a guy that I that I raced. Now I also got to race a, an, an American guy by the name of Gary Hall Jr., which yep. uh, I'm sure you know Gary pretty well, and. And so while these guys were my competitors, I also looked up to these guys. I mean, it was just, they're just really impressive people and learn a lot from them. And I think you do, you learn, you learn from your competitors. They push you and they challenge you. Are there certain competitors out there for you that, that are pushing you right now that you look, you look at and maybe not look up to, but look at and see what they're doing. Totally. totally. Yeah. I mean, I think what's, what's weird about backstroke is there's, there's really not much turnover and like, who's making these big finals. I mean, like for the past, I mean, essentially for the past like four years, it's, it's been pretty much the same people. You're always going to have your, your two Americans. You've got your, your two Russians. You've got uh, Evgeny Rilov and, and Clement. Um, you've, got, you've got Mitch Larkin. You've got Zhu Zhaiyu. I mean, that's already six people in the final. And, and that's, been consistent for, that's been consistent for a long time, mm. that those six are going to be in there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you do. You learn a bunch. And like – like Grievers is a guy that, that I looked up to, uh, or I, I do look up to. Um, so, so I've learned a lot from him. I mean, and that's, that's a lot of that's through conversation. Mm. Um, and then you, I do, I, I watch, I think Evgeny is, is really impressive. And I mean, a guy of his stature able to get the distance per stroke he does and, you know, be able to hold it throughout a race. Like it's, it's, it's stupid. Like it, it's, it's really impressive to watch. And I think um, I actually think me and and Ju, the the Chinese backstroker, I think we we swim pretty similarly. Similarly, like I think our strokes 
Um, I mean, it lo will look a little bit different to like to most people, but what, what we're doing underwater is is very similar. Um, so, so I think he's, I, I think he does it the right way, um, like in terms of his technique. So I, I, I like to, I like to watch him swim. And then uh, Clement, Clement's really impressive. Um, I mean, like his, his ability, his top speed is like, it, it's the best in the world. <laughs> so, so like, I, I'm always impressed by guys like that, that, that figure out, how to just move faster than, than other people. Uh, so, so I think there's a lot to learn from him as well. And then like on the American side, uh, there's so many, there's so many guys, like there's, there's two guys at, at Cal that are, that are on the national team and, and making a good push. You got Austin Katz, Shane Cassis, Pebs. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of guys to, to learn from. Yeah. Just moving away from that, you know, in, in terms of recruiting, when we're looking at athletes, especially when I was in college and, and, you're, and you're recruiting, you, you look kind of at the family first. And, you know, um, I got the chance to meet Pat and Katie, you know, um, your parents. And uh, it just I just knew from the get-go you were raised right, you know. You, yeah. you, you know, you come from a, an awesome family, man. Um, so what do, you, uh, what do you take away from your parents that they, they taught you? Yeah, I mean, I think I was uh, kind of Midwestern raised. Uh, like, both my parents grew up in Chicago. They, they lived there until they were 30. Um, I, they had me when they were 30, and we, we quickly moved down to Florida for my dad's job. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I was raised as, as a Midwest kid. And, um, you know, honestly, a lot of my friends, like even out in California, they've got Midwestern roots. You know, like, like Cohen, who just walked by, he's uh, – he's a Wisconsin kid and uh, Hunter Coboy is Wisconsin, Josh Perneau, Wisconsin. Uh, some other friends are uh, Iowa, Trent Williams is Chicago. So like, most, most of these people are, you know, like kind of come from that, that Midwest, uh, kind of that Midwest background. And yeah. I just think it's really just like a put your head down, don't talk about it and, and grind backgrounds. Like it, and then I'm going to kind of switch gears here a little bit. But like one of the things that we get asked a lot is, is who's one of your favorite athletes? For me, one of my favorites is Derek Rose. Derek Rose, like when he was, he won the MVP at age 22. Mm. Like that, I still, I don't think, what, what, how old was he honest last year? 23? Yeah, so I, th sure. I think, Der I think Derek Rose is still the youngest MVP ever. Mm. He would have never known it by, by the way he, he acted. And so, like, I, I just love people like that. You know, like, you know that he is busting his butt as hard as he can, but you're you're never going to hear about it. He's going to let the it's going to let the performance speak for itself. And um, I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that, that my parents taught me too. Yeah, and you got a little bit of Irish heritage, right? Yeah, dude, I'm like I'm like 96 percent Irish. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, well, I've got my whole family on these uh, on these DNA kits now, so <laughs> everyone's doing it. My mom, my mom's one hundred percent. Oh, really? Yeah, oh. like her side is is oh, wow. pure. She's wow. a, she's a purebred. And then my uh, my dad's mom had a little bit of Swedish in her. Okay. So so that's where that's where that starts to come in. But, uh, but so yeah. what do you think you get from the Irish man that that's helping you be be the best athlete you can be? Oh boy. I don't know if it's helping me be a good athlete, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I still, I still want to take a vacation to Ireland. I got to hit yeah. up Shane Ryan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got to get him to, 
to show me around there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, cool. that's been on the bucket list for a while is, is to go to Ireland. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. So when was the first time you actually made the U.S. team? Like the first, the oh. first uh, like open team, like your 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 national team uh, trip. Uh, so my first my first national team trip was, and this is gonna sound crazy. It was 2011 Pan Packs or Pan Ams. Oh, Pan Ams. Where was that at? That was in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. Oh wow. Yeah. So I was, I was uh, 16. Oh, so it was geez. like me. I think the two youngest guys, me and uh, Arthur Frayler. <laughs> yeah yeah so so it was me i was i was 16 he was 18 and that team was cool like it was uh you had like a like a 22 or 23 year old connor dwyer on there um there was uh robert margalis he was our our captain so yeah I, i've been making or i've been on these teams for a while that's why people are considering me a veteran now yeah What'd you learn from Michael Phelps and, and maybe, or, or maybe a couple of other people like that, but you know, particularly yeah. him. Yeah, dude. I mean, he's a, he's a freak, like, especially after having gone through one Olympics, like, I don't think many people realize like, like you, you do your swim, but then you've got, you got like 30 minutes of interviews right after you've got to warm down, go to a medal ceremony, a press conference, drug testing. By the time you get out of there, it's three hours after you competed. Mm. Um, and so for him to do that every single night of the mm. Olympics, it's like it's, it's insane. Like he was probably sleeping like five hours a night mm. and like still just crushing it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I got the, the utmost of respect for that guy. I think the biggest thing that, that, that you can learn from, from someone like that. And I mean, I was lucky to see it kind of towards the end of his career wherever he goes, everyone stops what they're doing. It doesn't matter whether it's a coach, athlete, volunteer. Oh, I just caught myself a sneeze. Be Didn't careful, do man. It. Don't do that in public. I dude, Well, did you see how quickly I was about to cover it? That was, that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, so, so Michael's someone that, that everyone wants to see what he's doing. Like, like coaches, athletes, volunteers, officials, every single person looks at that guy. Yeah, sure. And, and he just, he doesn't change anything he's doing. Like he's, he's the same guy, whether you're, you're hanging out with him in his room one-on-one -on -one, or he's in a warm-up pool of 800 people and everyone's just looking at him. Like he, he does the same exact stuff no matter what. And so I just think there's a level of, uh, just a level of self-confidence that, that he has that I don't think, I don't think many people and, and many athletes in general have that level of uh, just have that level of confidence to, to just be themselves in, in every scenario. Yeah. Well, you know, the, when I was on the Australian team, there was always people on the U S team who were kind of like, you know, the, the stars of the show. And, and if you make the U S team, you're, you're really good anyway, but there's always the, the stars and people that were kind of the leaders and people that you knew were kind of automatics or do you look at yourself that way now? Do you feel like you're one of the leaders of the U.S. team now? I would say, um, yeah, I, I think there's a couple of parts of that. I definitely, I don't think anyone's an automatic. Um, so, like, you still, I mean, if I, I, it's still not official what's, what's happening this summer. So, like, if these, if these go ahead, no, no one's automatic to make yeah. the team. Like, anyone could be beat. And, and so, like, 
you, you, you have to keep that level of, uh, got to keep that level of intensity on, on yourself to, to continue to, to improve, to continue to try to go best times. Um, I think on the personality side, there's, I mean, there's definitely people that, that everyone kind of rallies around. Um, a lot of it's just based on tenure, how many years you've, you've been on the national team. And so at this point, like, yeah, I'm one of the more tenured guys. Um, and, and I think, I think people are interested in, in what I have to say. And I think, I think like, I'm, I'm starting to embrace that a little bit more, like, trying to talk to to the gun guys as much as I can. Like when we were up in Colorado, we got, we got, we got like Carson Foster up there, you know, like that kid's got, you know, he's had a great career so far and, you know, he's, he's really just keeping it steady, steady improvements every year, which is, mm. that's what I like to see. You know, like that's a kid where it's like, okay, you know that he's busting his butt every year and, and seeing consistent results. And, you know, that's not the, that's not the sexy way to do it, but like, it's, it's the right way to do it. Um, mm. it. Like I try to try to talk to him and, and just give him little tidbits of confidence here and there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's important to, to share what, what, what I've seen on, on team USA. Like I, I saw the kind of the end of the end of the Phelps era, you know, mm. like I was on the teams in 2014, 2015, 2016. So around guys like Phelps around guys like Lochte, Cohen Jones, you know, like those are, those are guys that were staples and, and the team's a lot different now, but there's a ton of stuff we could also learn from, from that group of guys. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I mean, you've, you've trained with a guy who's been on the U S team for many years in, in, um, Nathan Adrian, you know, what do you take away from him? What, what, uh, what do you learn from him? Nathan is, uh, Nathan's just one of the, the most steady people I've ever, I've ever seen. And I think that's, that's so impressive and something that I'm, I'm very jealous of. Like, I, I think I'm like, I'm the opposite. Like I'm a pretty fiery guy. Uh, I mean, n- most people don't see that, but just, just ask my teammates, you know, yeah. like I'm, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty fiery guy. And um, Nathan's a guy that it, it really, he, he doesn't, he just does not get knocked off his path easy. He's, he's always in control. He's pretty similar to Dave. Both of them are just always in control and it's, it's unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the biggest thing I've, I've learned from him. And I mean, his leadership style is really just making himself approachable, making sure that, that people feel comfortable and just being who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he thinks if he's able to do that, we're going to be in a good spot. And I think that's, I mean, that's a really, I think that's a really cool way to look at it. So I don't think many leaders think like that. Yeah. No, Nathan's a, an awesome man. He's been at the top for top of his game for a long time. And he's been through some, some hell the last few years too. And, and like you said, he's just still there, man. He's just still smiling and still working and still, you know, he's super positive all the time. That's what I love about Nathan. I know. I know. I, know. You, I try to poke him every once in a while. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've been swimming with Nathan for now. God, I've been at Cal for seven years. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, so I've been, quick. Yeah, it has gone quick. Uh, so I, I mean, Nathan's like, I mean, I see Nathan every day. Yeah. Uh, so like there's times where I, where I try to poke him. I, I try to get him to like say some negative stuff. And I mean, I'll tell you, like, it's what you see is what you get there. It's, it's few and far between that he is, that he's negative at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's an awesome man. But um, so well, let's just wrap up then. So what do you think the future holds then? Like, obviously, they're going to have to postpone the U.S. trials now. You know, the Olympics aren't going to go ahead. So that's that announcement will be coming soon, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not on I'm not on the phone calls, but uh, yeah. I mean, you got to imagine that. I mean, this was just one official that that said this. So, like, yeah. the IOC has to back it up pretty, probably pretty soon here. Mm. Um, and then and then the dominoes start falling, and and then it's on the. I mean, it's really on the World Health Organization to figure out when is it going to be, when is it like going to be feasible to to have a competition and then there's the logistics questions and like when can the ioc actually do this so i mean there's just i do not envy the position that that the ioc is in i mean it is it is not easy Mm. to just pick this thing up and move it a year yeah i mean it's going to change it's going to change the way the olympics are run um and it's probably going to look completely different than than what we were expecting to see this summer. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be super interesting how everything, how everything falls in, in these next couple of weeks. Um, so, I mean, the biggest thing we could do is, you know, check on each other. Like I, I've been on the phone with, with everyone these past couple of days. And so I think times and times like this, you lean on your inner circle and, uh, and then that's the best you could do. Try to try to keep your inner circle as as informed as possible and, and as safe as possible. And I mean, if 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 everyone does that, we're the world's gonna be in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, man. It's just uh for people to listen to you and hear from you. I think that that's gonna make a big impact just now. So appreciate the the time and energy, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You too. I feel bad. I should have I should have asked you more questions. No, don't worry about it. We'll, I feel like this was all this was all one way. You got you got a lot of good perspective in here too. I'm interested in you, man. But um, yeah, I mean, we, I, I've enjoyed the chats we've had. We we uh, I think you're a very intelligent athlete, and and like I said, there's a reason why you're only Olympic champion, man. And um, but yeah, I know I appreciate your interest the other way as well. But we'll get to we'll get to talking again soon, all right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. All right, man. Well, you take care. Give the yeah. give the family my best. I will. All right, mate. Take to take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right, later. All right, bye.